Thank you, Kirby and team, for leading us this morning. It was wonderful. And church family, it's good to be back in the pulpit with you. And I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is, a, is one of the Pauline epistles. It's in the New Testament. So as you go through the Gospels and uh, Romans and First and Second Corinthians, you will get to Galatians and then Ephesians. One of the joyful experiences this time of year is the giving and receiving of gifts, is it not? I've, uh, I often enjoy, I like candies, I like chocolate-covered candies, that's just a hint. Uh, <clears throat> peanut butter fudge, any of that, that'll all do. No. Uh, but as an adult, I enjoy unwrapping a gift on Christmas Day or celebrating with with family, and in fact, to be honest with you, my kids are now at that age that I'm actually intrigued at what they're going to get, because that means I might have something to play with as well. <laughs> now, I understand that Jesus is the reason for the season, and, and, uh, uh, and, and certainly that is why we're here to worship this morning and make much of him. What I want us to think about this morning is that gifts are a part of the Christmas story. In fact, with Jesus' first coming, both at his birth and his ascension, gifts are present. Many of us are familiar with the narrative of Jesus' birth and how in Matthew chapter 2, the wise men come from the east to visit and worship Jesus as the king. And the story recounts how they, they followed a star by night which led them to Bethlehem. And, and Matthew records this in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So we're, most of us are familiar with that story of where these magi come from the east and they come with these extravagant gifts. However, what we may not be as familiar with is that gifts were given when Jesus ascended to his heavenly throne after his resurrection and he goes to heaven Jesus actually is the one who gives gifts in our passage this morning and we'll have this on the screen we see that Paul's referring to these gifts given in Ephesians chapter 4 and, and I want you to follow along as I begin in verse 7 and then we'll jump down to verse 11 Paul says under divine inspiration that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. We jump down to verse 11. What are these gifts that Paul is recounting? He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. This morning, we're going to consider that Christ has given the church, He's given each believer 
in his name spiritual gifts. He's given us gifts. Gifts so that the church may be equipped, so the church may be built up in love. Put it another way, Christ has given gifts to the church for the purpose of discipleship. And over the past two Sundays, we considered the, the core values of Oak Park. We've kind of been uh, uh, intermingling uh, these values with the Christmas story. And, and we began with Pastor Joshua looking at the worship of the king. And then last Sunday, Pastor Gary uh, focused on the community of the king. And this morning, we're going to look at the discipleship of the king. And these, these values of worship, community, discipleship, and next Sunday, we'll look at mission... They are the, the means by which we are to carry out the mission of the church. And here at Oak Park, we, we summarize the Great Commandment and the Great Commission this way by saying, the mission of Oak Park Baptist Church is loving Jesus, loving people, and helping people love Jesus. And how we do that, how that looks on a, a Sunday by Sunday, but even a Sunday through Saturday, is that the believers at Oak Park Baptist Church worshiping the king, involved in the community of the king, the discipleship of the king, and the mission of the king. Well, what do we mean by discipleship? We have that up on the screen. What do we mean by discipleship? Well, this is what I want to offer for us this morning and then unpack a little bit from Ephesians chapter 4. And that is equipping the church through God's word for Christ-like maturity and spirit-empowered ministry. That's what we mean by discipleship, that we want to be a church marked by discipleship, which is equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And that happens through the Word of God, and it is spirit-empowered. And so that's the theme that I want you to, to keep before your mind. And, and just so you know, you heard Caitlin talk about uh, the, the welcome area kind of being renovated a little bit. Maybe you noticed some of the color schemes. Maybe you didn't notice much of a change at all. But there's going to be some changes. And one of the things that you're going to see is that mission, loving Jesus, loving people, helping people love Jesus, is going to be in nice, bold letters up on that wall. But then also our core values of worship, community, discipleship, and mission with these definitions in nice frame, bold for everyone to see, so that we are remembering what we're about and how we are to be faithful to Christ's commissioning of us. So as we consider this, in particular, discipleship this morning, I want us to see how Christ's gifts to the church have been given for the purpose of discipleship. And to do that, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 and, and see that Christ has given us a diversity of gifts, that he's given us a purpose for the use of these gifts, and then we're going to look really practically at how those gifts um, are being expressed here at Oak Park. So let's, let's consider the diversity of Christ's gifts. And if you're in Ephesians chapter 4, you look in verse 7, we see that, that when Jesus ascended into heaven, we're reminded of kind of maybe if you're familiar in Acts chapter 1, where the disciples are looking up in the clouds, and he's ascended, and he's taken up in the clouds, and they see him no more. And the angels appear right beside them and say, why are you looking up in the clouds? And he's going to return in the same way in which he ascended. Well, that time, Paul is kind of reflecting and thinking of Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. And he's just kind of lumped it all in to this event of the ascension. And he says that when Christ ascended, that 
He bestowed grace to each one of us according to the measure of his gift. Jesus told the disciples in in his earthly ministry that I must go away, but I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to give you the comforter. And he, in particular, he's talking about God, the Holy Spirit. And this is the grace that Christ has given. Not that each of us have a, a differing level of the Holy Spirit, but as we're going to see a different manifestation of the Spirit within us. All of us, if you're a believer in Christ, have God, the Holy Spirit, dwelling in you. It doesn't fluctuate. It's not like your, your gas pump where you've got to go and, and fill up every week. All of us have this gift, but how the Spirit manifests himself varies in these diversity gifts. Well, what are these gifts? Well, the elsewhere in Scripture, they call them spiritual gifts. We, if you've been around in church lingo, you kind of have heard that term before, spiritual gifts. And this is what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He says, to each, that means every person, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So if you're a believer today, you have been given a gift or a compilation of gifts. And we're going to look at some of these for the common good. Not your good, the common good. Everybody else's good. But as we're going to see, when everybody's gifts are working properly, well, that will mean my good as well. And we call these gifts spiritual gifts because they're manifestations of God, the Holy Spirit. And here in Ephesians 4.11, Paul just mentions a small sampling of these gifts, particularly focusing on some of the teaching offices or teachers of the church. But if we were to turn to the book of Romans, I invite you to do that. Just turn left. We've been familiar with Romans. We're going to jump ahead a little bit. So Romans chapter 12. And I want you to see that Paul picks up on this theme of spiritual gifts. And he uses the analogy of a human body. He says there's one body you have, but you have many parts. You have many members. And he, and he uses that illustration often in the scriptures to speak of the church. And, and so the church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. But each of us, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have identified with this local church, you are a member of that body. And so keeping with that illustration, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. And then he goes on, he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. He says, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So here's just a sampling of those gifts. And he says that Christ has given you gifts, and it's to the measure of the grace. And just that's another term for gift that he's given. He has uh, you know, distributed these gifts to you. And you're going to have different ones, he says. And there's other lists in the New Testament. If you're taking notes, you might think of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 10, and then jump down to verses 28 and 30. And then 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. 
for our purposes, I want to help us kind of see these gifts, and, and we can put these up on the screen here. You can summarize the gifts of the Spirit um, into two main categories, gifts of speaking and gifts of serving. Now, that's not to say that the gifts of speaking aren't meant to serve. It's just kind of accenting that you can see the serving gifts a little bit more readily. But all gifts are, as we saw, for the common good. It's serving the body. It's for the building up of the body. And if we were to take all the passages together, I, I've lumped in some of them into similar terms, but that's essentially the gifts of the Spirit that we see. And if we look at the gifts of speaking, we see teaching. Sometimes it's called the gift of wisdom and knowledge. And, 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 and that's a gift we see uh, all over our church with various people teaching and using that gift. There's the gift of pastoring. We see that in our, our text in Ephesians chapter 4. He gave pastors to the church. That's a spiritual gift. The gift of pastoring. Gift of evangelism. Some individuals in our church I, I think of are, are particularly gifted at evangelism. The gift of exhortation I think is the gift of preaching. Preaching's different than teaching. It's teaching, but it's teaching for the purpose of exhorting you to do something. And so that's why I'm often asking you to do things. It's because I want to exhort you. Then there's the more controversial ones. We won't get into them too much today, but tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Tongues are merely uh, uh, the gift of being able to speak an unknown language, meaning a, a language you do not know or previously did not know, but you're able to speak. And then someone interprets those, and, and it's closely linked to prophecy, uh, an inspired utterance from God to speak to God's people in a moment. Then there's discernment, those who... As John the Apostle says in 1 John chapter 4, are, is able to test the spirits, able to discern error. And, and, and God equips the church with people who are discerning and they, they understand what's really going on. They can look at the, the cultural uh, tides and they can, they can help the church think about what's really at, um, behind what's going on. Then you think of the gifts of serving. We've got the gift of leadership and administration. You've got helping gifts, giving, those who are, are blessed financially and they have a desire to, to give and bless people. Gift of mercy, gift of faith. And the gift of faith is not saving faith. It's, it's, it's that, that person you know who just seems to never get shaken. That person who is always trusting no matter if everything around them is falling apart they are unwavering in their commitment to christ and, and we know those people who are able to be anchors for us that we go to when when we're struggling gifts of healing and miracles kind of fall in those gifts of tongues but these are the gifts that we see in scripture and the and, and the point that i want us to see is that the scripture tells us that jesus has given us a variety of these gifts and so you, if you're a believer, you have at least one of them. Maybe a compilation of them. Maybe a mixture of them. But the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in him and you have his indwelling spirit, you have one or more of these gifts. And these gifts are sovereignly bestowed upon you as Jesus pleases. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all these are empowered by one in the same Spirit, so the Holy Spirit's the one who empowers them, and who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so there's no means of or reason to ever get jealous that someone has a, a gift that you don't have, because you have a gift that they don't have. 
Paul uses the analogy in 1 Corinthians 12 that the whole body can't be an eye. I mean, how gross would that be? We'd just be rolling down the aisle, you know? You, you got you know, and, 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 you know, the foot shouldn't be worried if he's an ear. And everybody's got a purpose. And if, and if you're not working in your role and the way you're gifted, well, then the body's not going to function the way it should. The whole body is going to suffer. And so we need to recognize that Christ has given us gifts. He has given us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and has given us manifestations of the Spirit to serve one another in the church. Now, before we move on to the purpose of these gifts, I want to briefly address kind of the nature of them. Because if you look at that list, and maybe we can put that back up there, some of these seem to be more supernatural than others, right? Think of miracles, healing, maybe tongues, uh, and, and prophecy. Those seem to be, you know, those fancy ones, those, those, those ones that are a little bit more divine. And then other ones like teaching or administration or giving that that just seems like that's more of a natural ability or or maybe people call them talents well how are we to understand maybe our own natural abilities with the spiritual gifts how, how does that interact maybe it helpful just to at least tell you how i discern my gift of preaching and teaching before i was called to ministry after I was a Christian, but before I was called to ministry, I was totally terrified of speaking in public. I could not do it from a little boy and, and having to read my part. Like, I couldn't do the little Advent reading. I wouldn't be able to do that or sing a note or, or, or do anything. And I remember particularly in college, I had to take that dreaded course, public speaking. All of us, or most of us, hated that class. I hated it. And I'd get up and I would talk about something. I have no idea what it was. But I remember every time my, my body quivering, the blood rushing out of my, uh, uh, like down to my feet. Everything's getting hot and everything's getting spinning. And I'm not clear and I'm just talking and mumbling. And everybody's kind of looking down because they don't want to make eye contact with you because they don't want to make you feel bad because everybody feels awkward. That was me. And if someone were to tell me, and in fact somebody did, hey, are you, are, are you going to serve in ministry? That, the first thing I said, absolutely not, because I can't speak. And I can't tell you when that changed. But as the Lord began to produce a, a desire for me uh, to, for pastoral ministry, the fear left. The tongue was loosed. The nerves were calm. Now, for some of you, you're a teacher maybe in a school. You're like, hey, that, that was no big deal. That wasn't, had nothing to do with spiritual gifts. It was just how I'm, I'm wired. But what I want you to see here is like, for me, that natural, what you think is just now natural ability is actually supernatural. But let me tell you, is any gift or ability you have something that you conjured up yourself? What do you have that you have not received? Who's the one who knit you in your mother's womb? You might say, well, that's everybody. You know, everybody has these talents and they're, they're using them. What, what difference does it make? Well, what I want us to see from the scriptures is that it's only the Holy Spirit who can produce the effects of the gifts he gives. So he can take that maybe natural ability, what we call natural ability, but we know where it came from. But he makes it effective. He activates it for the work of the church. 
Well, there's those who, like me, have gone into pastoral ministry, and maybe they, they were already gifted at speaking. And they came over, and they didn't have that moment. But you know what did change? The Lord began to use that gift he had given them for the purpose of the church. And that's how we got to start thinking about that. Yeah, there's things that maybe you, you, the Lord gives you in a moment or in a season or, or, or you didn't have before you were a believer, but sometimes it overlaps. But here's what we're seeing is the Spirit uses these things and gives and equips these things for His purposes and makes them effective in the local church. So this leads us to the purpose of Christ's gifts. Well, why does he give them to us? And if we come back to Ephesians chapter 4, we get a better idea. And here Paul's focusing on these teaching gifts. He talks about apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. But he focuses here on verse 12 and he gives the purpose for what they are given for. To equip, verse 12, the saints for the work of ministry. He gifts, let's just say pastors, let's focus on that one, or evangelists. He gifts them for the purpose of equipping those whom he's gifted to do their work. They might say, well, why? I don't need them to equip me. I, I've received the Holy Spirit. Well, you know this better than I do. I still need to grow as a preacher, right? I have to grow, I have to continue to be equipped and develop that gift. Well, the same is true for you. Whatever that gift is, if it's healing or serving, uh, faith, mercy, evangelism, exhortation, leadership, administration. It's edification is what Paul is talking about here. We must be built up in the body. And what are we being built up for, verse 13? Until we all attain the unity of the faith. That's, in, that's a crucial point there. Notice the unity of the faith in verses 4 through 6. This is what he's talking about. There is one body and one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Just as you were called into the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. There's a, there's a point that Paul's trying to make, right? There's one body of Christ. There's one God, one Lord, one hope, and, and, and he says that he has gifted the church so that we all are equipped and built up to attain that unity of faith. We're all going the same direction. And that's why he's given pastors and teachers to equip the church to serve one another to attain that goal. And so what does the unity of faith tangibly look like? Well, look at the rest of verse 13. It's the knowledge of the Son of God. It's mature manhood. It's growing in your knowledge of Christ, which means, brothers and sisters, it's more than just knowing Jesus died for my sins and rose again. It's exploring the depths of that knowledge of who Christ is. That is the means by which we all will attain the unity of faith. Verses 14 through 15, it's being grounded in the truth of Christ. Look, look here. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You know, you can convince your kids of a lot of things because they're children, right? Christmas is built around one of those things, right? You can convince them of that. Being cloaked or something. 
poking that all up there. But we're not to be like that. It's not cute if an adult still believes in those things, right? It's like, oh, let's get you some help. Well, Paul says, the reason Christ has given you pastors and teachers is to equip you so that you're not a child. Rod around, waves of doctrine, just being tossed to and fro. But rather, verse 15, you are able to speak the truth in love and grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So you're going to grow up. That's what the purpose is here. And not just so that you grow up into Christ, but verse 16, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What did Jesus say to his disciples? The world will know you're my disciples when they see what? Your love for one another. Brothers and sisters, if you've been in the church long enough, you know that's not easy. You know what? But when you dive into the, the glories and the knowledge of Christ and you're not tossed by every wind of your emotions, not that emotions are bad, but you're able to discern them, and you're able to inform them with right doctrine and right teaching. You know what? You understand what Christ has done for you, which then, oh, my love for him grows, which naturally will then cause my love for one another to grow. And Paul says here that every joint which is held together, there's that unity. You, you can't have your elbow stuck to your kneecap and expect to be able to run the marathon. No, you, you need to have your, your gifts equipped and locked in and activated and working properly. And you can't have your left leg saying, we're going this way, and your right leg say, we're going that way. That's going to get really awkward, right? That's not going to... That's not going to work. So Christ has gifted the church for unity around the faith. So the whole church is being built up and they're going the same direction. That's why he's given gifts of the church. And this is why our Sunday school has a purpose. Has a purpose all the way from preschool all the way up to adults and senior adults. There's a purpose behind it. One of the things you're going to see here in, in, in the coming weeks is we're going to have new brochures that you're going to be able to go get under um, each of the frames that have worship, community, discipleship, mission. If you were to pick up that discipleship brochure, you're going to see the purposes of, of everything from preschool, from women's ministry to adult discipleship, college students, everything in between. Why do we do this? And from our children, we're, we're, we're building blocks, equipping them, Preparing, uh, tilling that soil, planting seeds, watering it. And so even from the, the, the youngest among them, we're teaching them just basic concepts, big concepts of God. So they understand who they are in light of a holy and loving, merciful Father. We get into the, the children ages and we're focusing on the timeline of the Bible so they understand what's going on. They have the general gist of, of from Genesis to, to Revelation. Then they get up into to middle school and high school, and they're with Pastor Joshua, and, and he's teaching them foundational truths of the gospel so that they can begin to make the faith their own. They move into the college ministry or young adults from 18 to 25 with Pastor Chris, and we're helping them think through worldview and, and, and how do they now live as an adult, which they are. How do they make that transition to be fully on their own and, and, and fully involved in the local church and, and thinking through that in the workplace? 
And then we have our adult discipleship classes, which are, are serving to equip our church in various capacities so they can be teachers, so they can serve in evangelism, so they can go on mission trips, so they can lead in the church. We need to have purpose. Where are we going? That's why we call this, our discipleship classes, our Sunday school, the equipping arm of Oak Park Baptist Church. And so its purpose is to come alongside you so that the gifts given to you may be equipped, may be activated, so that you may serve in the local church. That's what we want to do with our discipleship. And, and the classes are just one layer. We've, if you were with us at our family business meeting, you know that we've, we've reorganized a lot of the leadership. And, and if you're a member in this church, you got an email this week with all the leaders and what ministry they go with. Why? Because we're working with every leader, trying to help them see how do you bring people along with you and help them identify their gifts and begin to have those gifts equipped and train them up in your ministry so they may serve effectively. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do this from top to bottom. In other words, is if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, you, whether you have speaking gifts or serving gifts or both, they need to be exercised, they need to be developed so that you may help us attain the unity of faith. That's what needs to be going on. For example, you may be a teacher in the school system. That doesn't mean that you're now just, oh, that just plug and plays over in the church life. It needs to be equipped. It needs to be re, uh, categorized and organized and ready to work. Or maybe you're gifted at business. But that doesn't mean that you know how it, it's to be done in the local church. and how that. So you need to be equipped and have it activated and, and, and plug and play. Your God-given abilities are to be developed, are to be shaped around the knowledge of Christ and how he works in order to build up his church. There are things that overlap, but not everything does. So it needs to be adjusted. And so this is discipleship, equipping the church through God's word for Christ-like maturity and spirit-empowered ministry. And so as disciples of the newborn king, these gifts are primarily to be expressed in the local church. That's why he's given them to us gave gifts to the church and so let's look at these expressions of the gifts as we're, we're kind of bringing this to a close in Ephesians there's a resounding theme through the book and this is the theme that Christ's glory is manifested in the church I want you to see that flip over to chapter 1 and look in verse 22 chapter 1 verse 22 and he, God the Father, put all things under his feet, that's Jesus' feet, and gave him his head over all things to the what? To the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Then jump over to chapter 3, verse 20. Paul's expounded upon the great truths of the gospel, and he, can close, he closes with these words in verse 20 and 21. Now to him, that's Jesus, who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
That's the note of theology that he ends on. And then chapter 4, the equipping the saints for the work of ministry is now set. That's what this is going to be about. The church is a manifestation of the glory of God. And particularly the glory of Christ. And so this means that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the institution by which Christ's glory is going to be made known to the world. The church, brothers and sisters, is the only institution that God has ever promised to bless. It's the only institution that God has ever said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How do we think of the, the seminary and other uh, parachurch organizations? They're branches of the church, but they're not the church. They're supporters of the church, which means if you're involved in them, that should have some manifestation and benefit for the local church, or else it's not a ministry of Christ. No matter what it says. Christ has gifted you for his local church. It doesn't mean you're not involved in those things. Those have their right proper use. They just need to be in proper perspective. So the question I ask you this morning is how are you using your spiritual gifts to promote the unity and edification of this body? How are you using your spiritual gifts to promote the unity and edification of this body. Because as we've seen, Christ has sovereignly bestowed gifts to you for this purpose. That's why he's given them to you. Well, maybe you're not sure what your gifts are. That might be part of the reason. You're like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how he's gifted me. Well, let me give you some practical ways that you may be able to discern those gifts. And the first one's pretty simple. What do you desire to do? What do you enjoy? I mean, we've just thinking of the lobby. I've been coming out here on, on throughout the week, and I'm seeing various people I had no idea had skills to work on things. And they're using their gifts, and they're coming in and, and serving, or, or other people helping us with design, and, and some of these new brochures that we're talking. A whole host of different people are getting involved with that. It's one of the things that I'm, I'm very encouraged about going on in our church. And if you're remembering, you got that list of, of ministries and who are those team leaders. Underneath them are hosts of different people who are serving. I mean, we've seen it over just the last two Sundays. We've had how many different people up here leading us in song? That's the sign of equipping the church for the work of ministry is that you're replicating yourself and others. There isn't just one person who does it all. We want to be replicators. That's what equipping the church for the work of ministry looks like. And so let me ask you, what do you desire to do? What, what, what are the things that it's your natural, you, you'd say, my talents, my gifts, my abilities? problem is most of us stop there. Well, I desire to do it. I must be called and equipped, and that must be my spiritual gifts. Well, there's more to it. And this is where, as Paul is going to say in verse 2, that this is all going to have to accompany humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. It's when you move from my desire to start activating it and working with other people, that's when it gets difficult, right? So how do I move on? Well, number two, what are the needs of the church? What are the needs of the church? Not what you want it to be. What are the actual needs of the church? And can you meet that need? That doesn't mean you, might, you don't have room to, to bring, hey, hey, I see an area that is lacking. But remember, this is about the unity of the faith and everybody moving the same direction. It's got to fall within. That's why we're having the, the re, 
uh, renovation of the Welcome Center and having worship, community, discipleship, mission, does it fall within that, that banner of loving Jesus, loving people, and helping people love Jesus as it's to be manifested in those four pillars? If it doesn't fall in that, well, that's not going to be the mission of the church. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It's just not what we're going to be about. So what are the needs of the church, and can you meet that need? Number three, and this one takes humility. Does the church recognize your giftedness in that? Now, one thing that didn't get activated for me was musical instruments and singing. I desire to be up here, I promise you. I, I, I can envision myself leading us, and, and, and you would hate it. I promise. My voice just does not carry. I've heard myself recorded because they don't turn it off in time, and, and, and I've heard myself singing uh, on the recording, sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, Lord, you, you're, you're keeping your people safe from me in this regard. I've had people tell me, hey, you know, let's, let's, let's tone that down just a bit. It's not my gifts. Or um, various other things. May, I have a desire to teach, but maybe you can't. It's okay. Well, you desire to lead, but no one follows. That's how you discern, all right, is the Lord using my gifts that way here? And if no one's following you, then that's not how he's going to use it. Number four, can you use the gift for the benefit of where God is already leading the church? What I mean by that is, sometimes people say, I want us going this way. And so the but are you wanting to benefit this church? Are you wanting to make it what you want it to be? And that's where you look at the corporate dimension. It's not what Chase is leading the church. It's where the, God is leading his people, all of you. And you've got to get in sync with that. And know what God is doing. And, 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 and that takes time sometimes. That's one of the reasons we're having these uh, leadership classes and the, uh, the leadership track of our discipleship classes because we want to help equip people with kind of like a 12-week orientation what how's this looking at oak park and, and getting to know other leaders and and, and and moving beyond a narrow view of the church to a broader view of the church and now you see oh, okay this is how these things work at a big scale so here's how we know the spirit of god is working to empower us for service so here's three more practical things. How do I then know? As I'm trying to discern my gifts, how do then I know the Spirit of God is working to empower us for service? Well, number one, we're willing to sacrifice for the church as the whole and work with God's people who are gathered here. What do I mean by that? I don't wish there were different people on my team. Or I don't wish that we had different people to work with. No, I embrace it, and I say, this is who God has brought, and he's sovereignly bestowed them with gifts, and my job is to work with those people that God has brought here, not wish this was another church. Number two, I'm willing to work at the pace God's people are moving here. Pastors need to know that too, right? Pastors who come in and want to work at a different pace than everybody else is, want, is going, well, you need to get in sync you got to work and go with the flow as God is working. That doesn't mean you push them, but you got to be sensitive to that. And then number three, I'm willing to go where God's people are being led here. I tell guys who are aspiring for ministry, and sometimes say, hey, 
this is what this church is doing. Should I take that job or should I not? I said, you need to discern, are you willing to embrace where they're going? Because your job is not to go in there and change it. It might not be the exact same pinpoint, but there's a fan kind of, are you willing to live within that spectrum? And even if you do it just a little bit differently or you'd like it done differently, but you know what, you're, you're, we're all going the same direction, then you, you can serve there. And I would say that's true for any of you. If you're looking to serve, my question is, can you, are you willing to embrace where we're going? Or do you want to change it? Then that, that, that's, that's not serving the common good. Unless it's sinful. <laughs> I mean, that's a different story. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about how God is moving his people and what ministry opportunities he's bringing. Does it fit with where the church is going? So lastly, here's what I want to bring before you. I want to ask you, how are you being equipped to use your gifts in the church? This is understanding that we, none of us have arrived. So yes, maybe you've identified your gifts. Maybe you're all on board with, with what the Lord is doing here. But how are you getting equipped? Because none of us have arrived understand that God has given you spiritual gifts to be developed and expressed in the church so, so that may take some time and, and learning how that works it means if you're a Christian you have been gifted to serve at some capacity, some capacity in the local church and the first step to serve in the local church here at Oak Park is to identify with the believers of this church so if you're, you're not a member and you're desiring of serving, well here's your first step January 28th we have Discovering Oak Park you need to attend and start that process of joining the church. Now, here's what church membership is. It's, sometimes people think of it as, as something super extra biblical. Well, no, it's not. We're just trying. Members comes from that Romans 12 terminology. And so here's all we want to do. We want to know that you want to be a part of us, and we can let everybody know you want to be a part of us. That's all it is. That's it. So that we all know who are the believers. Who identifies with what's going on here and wants to be a part of that church? And we just call that church membership. We're not asking for your social security number. We're not asking for anything crazy. Not get, you know, having some, some uh, you know, blood drawing ceremony and you're going to have to drink it in the back room behind the baptistry. Nothing like that's going on, okay? I'm clearly off my notes, I know. We're just saying, do you want to be a part of us and can we let everybody know you want to be a part of us? You identify with the Lord Jesus Christ? You believe in Him as your Savior? And do you want to say, I'm here to serve this body of Christ as He's gifted me? All right, let's let everybody know. All right, let's go. That's all we're doing. And the first step to do that is January 28th, Discovering Oak Park. And then once you've joined Oak Park and have taken that class, that's the first equipping class, if you want to put it that way. What is Oak Park about at, a, at, a, at 20,000 feet? Well, then... Get in a discipleship class. We encourage you to be in one of the spiritual disciplines classes. And then maybe approach one of the, the pastors, the deacons, the team leaders, and ask them, hey, what are some of the needs you have in your ministry? How, how could I maybe meet those needs? You, it may take time. You might go to each and every one of them and just get an assessment. What's going on? What is needed? And, and various ministries are going to have different needs. But here's one of the things I think we make a mistake on, and, and, and I'm helping us, Joshua, Pastor Joshua has helped us think through this a little bit more, is, is, is don't just judge it by, oh, that says children's ministry. I, I don't like kids, so I don't serve there. 
Well, there's lots of different needs that doesn't require you to work with kids. Or same thing with music ministry. Maybe you're not able to do the music side, but maybe there's another area that, that Pastor Chris needs help with that you can serve that's not what you see on Sunday morning. And that goes for stewardship, that goes for security team, that goes for, for teaching Sunday school. You, you might want to be a part of that ministry, but maybe teaching it in your gift, but there's other things that you may be able to do to help assist that ministry. And now, oh, okay, I see. I'm on board with where the church is going. That doesn't mean I have to be that person. Because Christ has given a diversity of gifts. And it takes a diversity of gifts to run every single ministry here at this church. There's not just one cookie-cutter thing. And if you're a member, I've already said this, you should have received an email summarizing the family business meeting where we went through all this and giving you a list of, of the ministry teams and team leaders. And, and I encourage you, don't just delete that email. And if you have, ask us to you know, send it again. If you didn't get the email, you need to call Terry Brody and get your name on our, our contact information updated. We don't have the right stuff. Let me close with this question. I'm really closing. Why does this matter? Why does it matter that we're being equipped to serve in the local church? Why the local church? Why is that such a big deal? What matters is because this is where the discipleship of the king takes place. When Jesus says, come follow me, he says, follow me into the local church where I'm the head, not Chase. I'm speaking of Jesus, where Jesus is the head. And this is where he empowers his church for the mission of the king. And on Christmas Eve morning, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the king's mission at the Lord's incarnation where he came to seek and to save the lost. And he is doing that mission through his local church. And we want you to be a part of that. I'm going to pray and we'll sing a closing song. Father, you are wise, good, and merciful. You are the great gift giver. And Lord, I pray that you would equip the church for the work of ministry here and the, the vast array of, of different things that are going on in this church. You would continue to equip the leaders who can then equip those who serve with them and, and volunteers. And, and Lord, that every joint would be locked in and working properly. And that this body would be a glowing manifestation of your glory to southern Indiana. And Lord, that you, as we, as we seek to be faithful in what you've called us to do, Lord, we ask that you would broaden the breadth of our ministry. Well, that's your business. We want to be faithful with what you've called us to and how you see, you see fit to use us. Lord, we, we, we want to come with willing hearts and say, use us however you see fit. Lord, I pray that that would be not only our prayer collectively, but that would be our prayer individually. And that we'd be marked by Humility and gentleness and bearing one another in love. And the world would see you through us. And we pray these things with eager expectation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.